0: Explode and bring the dead to life. Love so bold to see a revolution somehow. Let love explode and bring the dead to life. Love so bold to see a revolution uh uh-huh.
1: in worship together.
0: so much stronger, the King of glory, the King above all kings, who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder, who leaves his breath. is unfair the orphan, a son and daughter, the King of glory, the King above all kings, who rules the nations with truth and justice, shines like the sun in All that you've done for me You want to be close Close to your side heaven is real and we will arise. We want to hear voices of angels above singing as one. Who is worthy, none beside thee, God Almighty, the great I am. I want to be near, near to your Drive! Right. Right. Kindness makes us whole, you shoulder our weakness, and your strength becomes our own. You're making me like you, clothing me in white, bringing beauty from ashes, for you will have your bride. you Saints, we sing, worthy
3: are you,
0: Lord.
2: Father, it is difficult sometimes for us to put into words how grateful we are to you for your blessings to us, how um, much our hearts are filled with worship and adoration and thanksgiving. We've come today, Lord, to to offer our praises to you and to join our voices and our hearts together in acknowledging that you are God alone and we worship you. Thank you for being with us today. And we pray that you will indeed be glorified in our worship and we ask for this through Jesus. Amen. Share a word of greeting with others in worship here this morning.
0: An explosion of happiness
2: these kids are so excited because they're receiving toys for the very first time
1: who doesn't want a gift who doesn't want a present
2: it shows them that out
1: there there are people who really care about you you've got an army of volunteers that pack the boxes our volunteers for operation christmas child
2: i believe are the lifeline of this project They think that we can be part of something that's going to reach over 10 million kids this year. That's exciting. When the box ends into the hands of a child, that is not the end. The big impact at the end of the day is lives that are changed.
1: It's my prayer that God will use you to tell others about His Son, Jesus Christ.
2: Operation Christmas Child is creating a
1: ripple that's going around the globe. So it started with a box, and it's ending with communities and countries being changed. You know, these boxes are like a candle. It's a little bit of light that you take into a dark part of the world, and it makes a difference. Thank you,
0: thank you. you. Very good.
1: We want the children of the world to know that there is a God. He loves them. We are so excited this year to once again be a part of Operation Christmas Child. It's something we've done for several years as a church and we just want to encourage you again to get involved if you'd like to be involved um, as a as a person as one person as a family maybe as a dorm floor um, to get some boxes together it's just another really tangible hands-on way that we can be God's hands and feet to those um, around the world to whom we want to reach out I'd like to invite the ushers forward now as we receive our morning tithes and offerings and it will be during the offering this morning that children will be dismissed for children's church and junior church
0: Every fear of the unknown, I can hear all God's children singing out. We will not be overtaken. We will not be
3: overcome. Sing.
0: Take it we we and every name that is invoked not only in the present age but also in the one to come.
1: Sing with us. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave
0: The same power that commands the dead to wake lives in us lives in us The same The same power that can calm our raging sea lives in us, lives in us, He lives in us.
1: The scripture reading for this morning is Acts 5, verses 12 through 16. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result... People brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word.
2: There's something about this particular subject that um, both causes me to feel um, a level of excitement and also a level of fear. Um, we start talk, talking about miracles and uh, praying for miracles and expecting God to do miraculous type things. There is a there is a level of excitement to see that to witness that to be a part of that but it's also one of those things that that is very confusing to us and uh, sometimes disheartening to us and and sometimes we walk away from these kinds of experiences we walk away from from uh, praying prayers like that maybe feeling less encouraged than when we started and and then we read a passage like this one we read just a few moments ago. And uh, we, we look into the, the, what's happening in the early church. And there is so, there's such a heightened level of expectation. Such a heightened level of the work of God miraculously on them. That all that needs to happen is in some of these places for Peter's shadow to fall on people and they're healed. Now I got to tell you, I don't understand that. And it is a, it is a um, sort of an obscure event. You don't see that happening over and over and over and over again. But there seems to be within the early church, because you read it from the, all through the book of Acts, and you read it in the Gospels, and you read it in much of the New Testament, and even in the Old Testament, there seems to be a sense <clears throat> that that p- the church has, a, has an expectation of God doing more than they might have dreamed or imagined. Of God doing things that, humanly speaking, are difficult for us to grasp. And somehow, as the church, as we try to figure out living in the tension between what we are and what we're intended to be, something of the miraculous, something of these heightened expectations seems to be a part of what it means to be the church. When we read the Scriptures, one of the things that we find is that, that the Scriptures are continually uh, telling us that God is inviting us to pray bold, risky prayers. The Scriptures are telling us that, that God is, says to His people... I want you to ask me for things that you're not sure are really going to happen. And so we have passages like um, Psalm 2.8, in which uh, God says to Israel, Ask of me, and I will give you the nations as your inheritance. This little nation of Israel You ask of me and you you will gain more than you can imagine. Or or we have the passage in James where James says to the church, about these issues you're dealing with, you don't have because you don't ask. There is a connection between getting something that we think might be impossible and asking God for it. And you come to the, the words of Jesus in Luke Chapter 11, and Jesus says to the disciples, ask and seek and knock. And in fact, the translation really is, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Because for those who ask and seek and knock, if you ask, you'll receive. If you seek, you'll find. If you keep on knocking, the door will be open to you. Now, we read that, and we get a little bit nervous about it at least I do, I get nervous reading those passages because I have watched people, I've been a part of groups of people who have taken that to a place that I'm uncomfortable with. And it becomes a formula. If you ask, if you seek, if you not, God has to do it. And what ends up happening is our prayers about God doing miraculous, to God doing bigger things, become really much more about us than about Him. As long as, you know, what you hear from people is sort of something like this. As long as you pray the right prayer, as long as you say the right words, as long as you do it in the right way, then God will do whatever you ask. And it becomes this this cause and effect formula. And the reality is, for whatever reason, God doesn't always do what we ask. God doesn't always answer the way we want him to. And, the, and when we start thinking that we've figured out the formula, we've unlocked the key, we've gotten the code, and all you have to do is follow this and God will do it, that implies that we can manipulate God. And nothing is further from the truth when you read the scriptures. It makes me wonder sometimes if that isn't one of the reasons why God doesn't always do what we ask him to do. Because if he did, it would reinforce the fact that we figured out the formula, we've unlocked the code, and now all we have to do is follow this formula, then, and God will do what we want him to do. And God is trying to help us understand that he will not be manipulated. Quite frankly, that's a very pagan view of God. That's how the pagans around Israel operated. As long as you you follow the right rituals and the sacrifices, the gods have to give you what they want what you want. And it makes us nervous and so our reaction to that is to swing the pendulum far to the other direction to say let's not get anywhere close to that. We don't want it. We don't want to look like we are manipulating God. We don't want to look as though we are, you know, we're we're telling God what to do. We're demanding of God what to do. So we go way over here and say, okay, let's just play it safe. And let's only pray prayers that we're pretty sure we know the answer to. Let's only ask of God things that are, quite frankly, pretty simple to do. Because... We don't want to look like that. And our response is simply to take the other extreme. But that kind of praying is not what we see of people in the Scriptures. One of the things that amazes me when I read not just the book of Acts, but all throughout the Scriptures, Old Testament and New Testament, is that people, as people get closer to God, they seem to pray bolder, riskier prayers. And you see that throughout the history of God's people, even extra-biblical people who are who are close to god people who who are who have committed their lives to god in a way that that quite frankly i i still wrestle with it seems as though they have this this ability to ask of god in ways that i don't really understand But they pray bold prayers. They pray pray risk-taking prayers. They stick out their necks. Not in that way. Not in a, God, I demand you do this. I've done the formula so I can manipulate you to give me what I want. But a sense of trusting God. A sense of saying, I would rather stick out my neck and risk in in this prayer. And let God answer however he wants to. Than to not trust God enough to ask it all. I'm willing to stick out my neck. I'm willing to risk. And a lot of times we're hesitant to do that. We don't want to be disappointed, and I get that. You know, I, you know, I, I uh, have a tendency when my favorite sports team is playing to not get too excited about what's happening because I'm trying to protect myself if the tables turn and they end up losing and the disappointment is too great. You know what I mean? You know, you give yourself, if you really throw yourself into to saying, all right, we're going to win, we're going to root, and I give you all your energy to that, and then it doesn't happen, it's like you go from here to here. And so there are times where I think, all right, you know, even if they're winning, I keep thinking, all right, how are they going to lose this? I know it's going to fall apart, I know they're not going to hang on, I know they're, you know, and because if they end up losing, the disappointment isn't quite as deep. But the other part of it is the joy and the excitement isn't as great either. And in 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 the attempt to sort of protect my emotions, I miss out on so much good, so much joy. And and the bottom line is we're called to pray bold prayers. We're called to pray risk-taking prayers. And then we leave the solution and we leave the answer up to God. That's hard to do. Because it feels, what? It, well, what if God doesn't? Then we're going to look like fools. So what? Remember, Paul says to a lot of people, the gospel looks like foolishness. Well, we're going to be so disappointed. Well, we've got to trust God that he's still got it. He's still in control. Even if the answer doesn't come exactly the way we want it to. It's hard. And I wish I could say to you, here are all the reasons why God doesn't answer our prayers the way we want to. We want him to. But I can't. People write books about these things. People write volumes and volumes of books. People fill libraries with books trying to explain this issue. I do wonder sometimes if one of the reasons why God maybe doesn't answer our prayers the way we would like him to. It's sort, of in the, it's sort of the same dynamic that we experience with children. You've had this experience, more than likely, if it's maybe if because you're a parent or you're an aunt or an uncle or a sibling of, a, of younger, uh, younger children or a babysitter even. I mean, any experiences we've had with children, they ask for things. And they love to ask for things. And sometimes we tell them yes, but sometimes we tell them no. And, and hopefully we aren't telling them no just because we're being mean or because we want to deny them something good. We tell them no because it's not good for them. Maybe they want to eat chocolate cake for breakfast and we say, well, that's not healthy for you. Or they, you know, they, want some, they want us to buy them something that is not really age appropriate for them. Or they want to do something that is dangerous and we know that they will get hurt. And so we tell them no. And we do our best to explain to them why we tell them no. And most of the time they don't understand because they're children. Now I'm beginning to see this thing from a little, little, little different perspective being a grandparent. Because I can tell you right now, whatever Emma wants, I'm going to give to her. I'll let her mean parents tell, them, tell her no. I will be, not, but not grandpa. Grandpa's going to say yes. And what struck me as I was thinking about that is I think sometimes that's how I want God to be. I want God to be a doting grandfather who just says, sure, I'll give that to you. Sure, I'll do that for you. I'll let somebody else tell you no, even though it's not in your best interest. There's a part of me that wants God to be like that. And then sanity reigns again, and I realize, but wait, that's not really the loving thing for God to do. The most loving thing for God to do sometimes is to say no. And he can try, to, and, you know, God can, can in, through Scripture and the Holy Spirit and even other people, try to help me understand why he says no. But more than likely, I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to understand. I'm just going to wonder, Lord, what's going on? I have faith. I'm praying. I'm sticking out my neck. I'm risking. I'm trying to be bold in the way I pray. I'm trying to do things as you commanded me to do them and the answer doesn't come out the way I'd like it to, I don't get it. And quite frankly, sometimes even that argument doesn't make sense to me. I look at a situation and I think, what could possibly be wrong with this person being healed? What could possibly be wrong with this circumstance changing? What could possibly be wrong with this getting better? And I don't have an answer for that. I really don't. The only thing I can come back to is that I believe God is good. I believe in in what Jesus tells us in Luke 11. After he says, ask, seek, knock, he says, if you who are sinful, yes, he says evil, if you who are sinful know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your Father in Heaven love to give good gifts to his children? One of the versions of that, he says, how much more does your loving father want to give the Holy Spirit to you? Sometimes I wonder if one of the reasons God doesn't answer our prayers the way we want him to is because he has even more in mind for us. Sometimes the greatest miracles are not what we ask for, but getting what we need. Sometimes the greatest miracle is what God does in us as we pray and as we live out our lives for him. When I look at this passage in Acts, in Acts chapter 8, there is a a story of the disciples going to Samaria and preaching the gospel and, and amazing things happen. And the Holy Spirit comes upon the people. And there's all kinds of healings, just like there is in chapter 5. And all kinds of life change and, and amazing stuff takes place. And the Holy Spirit comes on them. But one of the most phenomenal things to me is that when they're done, it says that the disciples left that place and they went back to Jerusalem. And then it says in verse 25 that they stopped in many Samaritan villages along the way. Now, I suspect that's one of those sentences that we just sort of say, wasn't that nice. But that's profound. When you're talking about disciples who only uh, maybe a few months, maybe a year earlier, were with Jesus and traveling through Samaria and were upset with him because he was talking to a Samaritan woman. Jews didn't associate with Samaritans. Jews didn't do things with Samaritans. Jews certainly wouldn't want Samaritans to hear the gospel And yet here are the disciples saying, we're going to stop in village after village after village in Samaria because we want them to experience what we've experienced. We want them to know Christ the way we know Christ. Talk about transformation. Miracle. Now that's a miracle. And sometimes I wonder, I don't know, but sometimes I wonder that maybe... Maybe God doesn't answer our prayers the way we ask Him, despite how bold we are in our praying. Because God wants to do something deeper that can only come from us trusting Him when things aren't what we want them to be. I don't know. I don't have the answers for us about all those questions, but I do know this. God has said to us again and again and again, and God has acted in this way again and again and again, that He does above and beyond what we can dream or imagine. That God loves doing the miraculous. That God works in ways that are beyond us. And God is calling us to have the kind of faith that believes that God is going to do miracles. and to to live with an expectation as a church that God is going to do bigger, greater things than we could do by ourselves. And instead of being a church that says, let's play it safe. Let's not stick our necks out too far. Let's just do things that we can manage. Let's be a church that takes risks bold. we leave the answers up to God and we trust Him for that. But the issue isn't that we haven't prayed, that we haven't risked, that we haven't stuck out our necks, that we haven't had high expectations. I was reading recently, someone said, you know, churches and communities of God's people can be places that create a spirit, a corporate spirit of doubt or corporate spirit of faith. You go back to Mark chapter 6, and it says one of the most astounding things in all the Gospels. It says Jesus goes to Nazareth, and Mark says he couldn't do very many miracles there because of the the, the community of unbelief in that town. That blows my mind. There is something about the faith of God's people that is a connection to what God does. And there are some churches who simply say we're going to play it safe. We're going to not going to take risks. We're just going to manage God. But I would love for us to be the kind of church that says as a community, as a body of believers, we're going to take risks we're going to stick out our necks we're going to pray in ways that maybe don't make sense and we're going to trust god that in his wisdom however he answers he knows best we may not understand it but it's just in his hands but we're going to pray and we're going to believe and we're going to expect and so this morning that's exactly what we're going to do in a few minutes the elders and the staff of the church We're going to come, we're going to stand here behind the altar rail, and we're just going to give you the opportunity to come and give us the privilege of praying with you. There is something about praying together that I think is important. When we do this, there is something that's communicated as we lay hands on you and touch. The touch communicates connection and support. And sometimes we need other people to to help us have faith that maybe we don't have ourselves. To say words that sometimes are hard for us to say. And to feel the encouragement and the corporate faith that comes from us uniting our hearts in risk-taking, bold prayers of expectation. If you want, we have oil here. We can anoint you with that. There's nothing magical about the oil, but it is a symbol throughout the scriptures, of the presence of the Holy Spirit. And it's just one more way, one more way that we symbolize, that we communicate that God is present, that God hears our prayers, and God's at work. And you can come for whatever you want. Maybe it's something to do with healing. Maybe it's something to do with a circumstance. Maybe it's something to do with an attitude, a relationship. Maybe it's just something that you've been struggling with for a long time. Maybe it's something for somebody else. Maybe you want to come and and be in proxy and have us pray for you in proxy for somebody else who isn't here today. Maybe it's something about what's going on in the world. Whatever. But this morning, we want to join our hearts and our minds in prayers that expect God, ask of God to do more than we could dream or imagine through His grace and mercy. I'm going to ask the elders and staff to come. I'm going to offer a brief prayer for us as we prepare, and then I'm going to invite you to come as you would like and uh, give us the privilege of praying for you. Heavenly Father, we wrestle sometimes with knowing how to pray, what to pray this morning Father we are coming not demanding of you not trying to manipulate you but simply coming and corporately together expecting of you give us increased faith give us the ability to trust you And we know you hear our prayers. So work in us even as we pray. And do the miraculous. We pray this through Christ. Amen. If you'd like for us to pray for you, just come forward, kneel anywhere here at the altar, and we will be privileged to do so. Father, we thank you for for hearing our prayers today. We ask that you would give us increasing faith. As the Father came to Jesus and said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. May that be true of us. Continue to stretch our faith. Continue to help us to have a vision of hope for what you're doing in this world. Father, we pray today not only for ourselves and the burdens that we represent, but we pray for others as well today. Lord, we think about folks among us who are grieving this morning. We think especially of Linda Roth and Paul and her family at the death of her sister this week. We pray that you would comfort them with your comforting presence. Lord, we pray for all who are wrestling with illness and pain. And we, we pray for Phil Muker and for Ted Hopkins, for Evelyn Heil and Alice Brown, for Florence Tuber and Mike Raybuck and Jill Tyson, Bruce Brenneman, for Bev Rett and Micah Christensen, for Linda Roth and Dick Gould, for Crystal Blake and Emily Cricklar, and for others who may be on our minds today. We continue to pray for our world. Think of the the grief in Turkey after the bombings. So many people killed. Lord, we pray that you you would bring peace to our world of war and violence. We think of people who are struggling from the effects of natural disasters in places of the world as well as in our own country. We ask, Father, for relief We pray that your people would be a catalyst of hope and of your presence with people in these very difficult times. Father, we continue to pray for our brothers and sisters who face persecution around the world and ask for your grace in their lives. Give them comfort and courage and protection. May they continue to bear witness to who you are in spite of very difficult circumstances. Father, we we thank you for the ministry that you've given to my mom and dad and we ask that you would continue to bless them in their retirement. We pray that you would help them as they work in their church, as they mentor people, as you bring folks into their lives. May they sense your spirit continuing to work in them in a variety of ways. Lord, thank you for your grace upon us. Thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you for giving us a reason to hope for more than we can see because of what you have done in history culminating in the resurrection and eventually in the reappearing of Christ. Father, Father, Thank you for your grace to us and to our world. We offer this prayer in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.
1: stand and join us as we sing. Your kindness leads us to
3: repentance.
0: Your goodness draws us to your
3: side.
0: Your mercy calls us to be like
2: Face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace.
3: Amen.